Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Recorded live. Right. Good morning, good morning, or good afternoon, depending on where you are. Welcome to T25CL Entertainment, Galaxy Talk Radio. The Dynamic We Stand is the name of my show. I'm your host, Galaxy Chief, Andre Ward. The time here in California is currently 10 o'clock, and let's check the temperatures across the world. It's 59 here in Oakland, 72 in L.A., 90 in Tulsa, 73 in New York, 70 in London, 81 in Lagos, and 67 in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, let's talk a little about, about who we are. T25CL Entertainment is your platform for digital entertainment. Please listen to our 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week radio show featuring jazz, R&B, blues, hip-hop, and gospel music. Check out the many music artists that we have as well and their CDs available for downloading on various uh, devices. We have five radio talk shows. On Monday, we have Compton Politics with Lorenzo Elvis Murphy, Tuesday night, Straight Talk with a Hired Brush with Barbara McGee, Rodney Best. And on Wednesday, we have the songstress herself, Rosalind Jordan Mills in Rosalind's Corner. Thursday, you were Soul Vibrations with Corey Jeffries. And on Saturday, my show, United We Stand, with myself and uh, my new co-host, Dr. Nina Kwaku. You know, we here at uh, Galaxy Talk Radio, I, I said it last week, that, you know, we're not professionals here in the uh, radio industry, we're just common, everyday people uh, just putting our voice out there to the world. And so our various talk shows are based around entertainment, what's happening locally, what's happening globally, nationally. And so we're just common, everyday people just wanting to uh, get the word out and wanting to get feedback from all of you listening throughout the world. And as you know, my show, United We Stand, was named after our film, United We Stand. But the intent was to bring attention to the black economy on a global basis. Our intent is to reach across America and across the globe to build a universal economy and to make new trading partners abroad. And as I've said before, our spending capacity here in the United States alone would be the equivalent to the seventh greatest economy in the world. The problem is the circulation of our wealth in our communities and with our black-owned businesses in the U.S. When dollars are not recirculated in the community, we have business failures, we have massive unemployment, as we do today, and we have crime and all the other things that are associated with that. What's going on in the world today? My show today is being dedicated to the four brothers from New Jersey to introduce their new talk show, 
starting on September 2nd. They are Daryl Thornton, Brian Carter, Ronald Brooks, and Mike Brown. But before I bring them on, I want to introduce my uh, co-host, Dr. Ninana Kweku. And Doc, what's up with you and man, and what is going on in Virginia right now? Man, I woke up with the days to uh, get together with the brothers from Virginia, and now I'm seeing all this mess on the television. Doc, what is happening, man? Hey, brother. It's not brand new, brother. Let me just say this. Uh, Once again, you and my name is uh, Dr. Ninana Kweku, and uh, I had heard yesterday, you know, that they were going to have this rally, and I, I, I didn't even think about it. And, and we get up this morning, and we see them having all kinds of clashes down there. But the one thing I noticed that is that, you know, we as a people need to understand that make America great again does not mean make America great again. It means make America white control again, where they have, they have the total uh, control of everything we do. And they feel like for a number of years, and this is something that's been brewing, they feel like for a number of years they've been losing with affirmative action, with all of the different programs that would allow other groups to move up into the stratosphere of of, of success, so to speak. Uh, They feel like that they're the ones who are suffering because of it. And, like, even when you talk about, uh, you know, how people complain about the Mexicans, they're coming over here taking jobs that that are are, uh, from Americans. But that's not it. That's the, the reality of it is, is that some of these people are going to move up through the ranks. And so some white boy is, that was normally going to get that job is not going to get that job because it's going to be a Mexican, it's going to be a black, it's going to be a Muslim, it's going to be all these different people up there. So they feel like that they're suffering because of it. And that was that gave rise to Donald Trump, you know. Gave, and, and what is he appointed for as soon as he got in the White House? Steve Bannon and all these crazy people to run the Board of Education. Uh, and, you know, like the woman who's the head of the she doesn't believe that, that, that uh, education should be free. It, it not, should not be a right. What would make him nominate somebody like that as, as, the, as, the, as, the, as the head of the whole school system? Because yeah, it's they intend, yeah, you know, it's it, 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 they, they intend to destroy this thing, or they're going to manipulate the process so that even going to school is going to cost you, not just college. Eventually, and, and the Republican Party, you know, and they try to claim that they're not involved with this, but look at what they do. Their policies dictate that because they have long believed that, uh, that education, uh, you know, should be paid for and, and that the government can't continue to pay for it without, you know, the uh, the the debt rising. And see, what they're more concerned about, if you listen to the Republicans, they're always concerned about how the debt is rising, how we're never going to be able to pay off these debts, and they owe money to China, Japan, and everywhere else. So they're trying to get back that, that power. You know, the power mm-hmm. is that they don't want to owe nobody. They want to control everything that goes on. So make America great again means make America white control again. Yeah, it's just so ironic, uh, even on uh, MSNBC, um, they were saying that uh, several of uh, Trump appointees, we know uh, Breitbart with Bannon, and we know what that organization is about, but there was another one uh, that they brought out today named uh, Cordorka, some real weird European-type name, 
is um, also, and he's tied to one of these groups, and there's a couple of more that's tied directly to these groups. And so, man, something is going on here. And you notice they haven't even talked about Korea today. Now the narrative has uh, switched over to this is yet, you know. So a week or so ago, it was all about the, the Russians, and then you don't hear anything about the Russians because they jumped on Korea. And now this thing is uh, is is on front center on on the networks, and so it just kind of makes you think that one thing um, about the media and the government is when they want to don't want your mind thinking about one thing, they'll divert it over to the other thing. And so they had people running scared. Oh, the Koreans are going to bomb us, and and now we looking at white nationalism right here on the television. Let me bring on my uh, brother, uh, Rodney Best, and before we go to our brothers in uh, New Jersey. Brother Rodney, how you doing there, man? Hey, I'm just doing fine, just fine, fine. You know, I was uh, listening to the two of you in regards to uh, the, the awakening that's occurring down in uh, Virginia. Um, you know, Dr. Quaker, I concur with you. It's, it's, it's not a surprising move. It's not something that... Um, we should, as Americans, be surprised about because the state of Virginia and West Virginia have always been in that position. You know, born in Virginia, raised in Norfolk, Virginia, you know, it was always that side and this side. But in, but in America today, man, I, I really got to say, it, it, it's really an awakening for Americans. We have been allowing people to come into this country for many, 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 many years. I mean, I'm 60-some years down the road. Forty years ago, what was America like? But I concur with you in the fact of the whole thing about make America great again, it's a, it's a cover-up. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, because when did family. it start being great and when did it stop? And, you know, when you put that question out there, nobody can answer it from the white side. When did America start being great and when did it stop being great? And so if anybody wants to answer that, take a stab at it. Of course, you'd be speaking on behalf of the white folks, but, but what, what, you know, when did it start? When did it stop? So why does it have to be great again? Well, you know, I have another question, uh, kind of rhetorical in, in a sense. When was it ever great? Amen. You know, yeah. so we have, to, we have to look at it from our position. Uh, I can't speak for white folks. I can't speak for Japanese. I can speak for what the, the black experience in America. So as far as black people are concerned, as far as I'm concerned, it's never been great. So uh, if somebody can clarify that for me, I, I'm I'm all ears today. Yeah, and what is the definition of great? Uh, is it just because of the material wealth that this company, that this country has has accumulated? But nobody wants to talk about how the wealth was accumulated. If you get up, start a country out for 310 years of free labor, you damn right you're going to have one. You're going to have several centuries of a head start on the rest of the developing nations in the world. 
No other country in the world was developed on three to four hundred years worth of free labor. And so they got a kind of a head start on this stuff. Well, you know, that's really, that's really, you know, funny that you, you strike up that because I was having a conversation with a, with a, with a white gentleman one night and we were talking about, uh, you know, racism in America and, and, and we were talking about reparations and, and I was explaining to him why they should be paid. And he could not conceive the idea, you know, and I said, well, look, I'll tell you what you do. I said, give me 20 white boys and let them work for me for just 20 years and I'll be a millionaire. Yeah. You guys have 400 years of this stuff. So your advantage is already in play. You control everything. You control the markets. Wealth means control of markets. It's not necessarily a personal thing with them. With them, it is a group thing. They have to be able to control all the rules and regulations around everything. So we have to understand what they're talking about. When they don't want to talk about reparations, because they don't want the appeal to be level. You know, they don't care if you go to college. They don't care what you do. The field is never going to be level as long as they control the wealth. And that's the thing that you just touched on about us being the seventh largest economy on the planet if if we were to maintain, you know, uh, keeping our, our funds in-house. But because we yeah. haven't been able to do that, we, we're still considered one of the poorest nations on earth. Yeah, and here it is. We as black folks are still up here talking about, oh, how can we get employment? How can we get education? How can we get voting rights? How can we get decent housing? How can we get employment? How can we get financing for our businesses? We're just still struggling for the basic stuff. Yeah. And and when the brothers from New Jersey come on, you know, they're going to be talking about uh, the things that they're doing in New Jersey to work with the youth. How do you uh, counter their behavior and to get them on the right track? And how do we work with the youth out here to get them on the right track? But what happens when the youth are looking at this mess that's on the television right now? What are the other countries in the world thinking when they're looking at this stuff? Is this part of making America great again with supremacy? Oh, man. Let's go to our, our brothers from New Jersey. We don't want to keep them hanging too long. All right. Brother Daryl, is that you? Uh-oh, hold on a second. Caller from New Jersey. State your name. Yes, this is Daryl Swanton. Hey, Daryl, how you doing? I'm doing great, Brother Andre. How are you? I'm all right, brother. Oh, also, did you come also come on, on the board as well under a name, under your name? Uh, no, I, I was trying to get that, but uh, I'm not exactly sure which uh, how to navigate that. Um, oh, okay. But I will be, uh, as as uh, we talked about before, taking that training on the 24th. Um, I right. did pull up pull up something and I saw some stuff, but uh, you know, you and I we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, oh, okay. I see. Uh, uh, Brian came up. Hold, hold on. Let me see who this is. This is. Okay. Okay. Uh oh. 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 Uh oh. That is you, Daryl. I think you did sign in because that's why I'm getting that feedback. I I I did sign into something here. Yep. 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 So you are, but you're on twice. That's why I was getting that uh, feedback. Yeah. All right. Should I go off of that? Um. 
but you're on there, so the device that I'm talking to you on now, you might want to hang that up because on the other one, you're on the board and you're talking. Yeah, I thought so. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out of this computer right now because <clears throat> I'm unsure. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, so you're on twice and you're getting that feedback. Yeah. Let me come out of that. How's that? Is that better? That's it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Before I say anything, um, I, I, I just uh, want to say that I, I agree with you guys. Um, uh, we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, when when was America ever great? Um, I, I, I personally concur, and I don't think that America was ever great. Um, I think I, I actually think that America is a good country. I don't think it was ever great. You know, uh, because, you know, we're black people. We've always been oppressed. Um, we, uh, and, 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 and since we've moved forward to some degree, now all of a sudden Trump states that he wants to make America great again. When America was never really great. What he's really saying, is, as I said, I concur, is that he wants to make America white again. He wants black people to step back a few steps. Well, as many mm-hmm. steps as he can push us back, but a lot of us, we're not going to take that. We're not going to take yeah. it. And um, that's a segue into our youth. If we do accept that, you know, what, what is that a reflection of? What, what are we actually showing our youth? Uh, if they're going through enough as it is, and with the, uh, with the new show that we're going to start on uh, September 2nd, we want to show our youths, uh, we, well, actually what we want to do is we want to empower our youths. We want to show them what their worth really is. And, uh, you know, but what Trump is doing is he, he doesn't want that. He doesn't want us to show our youth because our youth, uh, the old adage is, you know, they're our future. And, and they are worthy and they are capable of achieving great things and many accomplishments. So with the new show, Andre, um, as you and I and, and Rodney have, uh, and incidentally, uh, I- I'm sorry, uh, how are you, doctor? How are you doing, brother? I'm great. I'm doing, doing very well, my brother. Good to talk to you again. Uh, with the new hey. show, we want to we provide a forum for our youth to, um, as I said before, to ventilate, to vent, to speak on many different subject matters um, that concerns them. And we, we want to let them know. You know, they they act they, they look at the news as well. You know, you'd be surprised, but they do. And we want to show them that they there are solutions not only to our problems but to their problems. Um but and, what happens uh, when they look at stuff like this on the television, what's going on now in Virginia and they see this mess happening whereas you know, they're still trying to put the, their feet on our neck and keep us suppressed. I mean mm-hmm. and, and, and now you're telling us, I'm, I'm speaking on, on the youth now, you're telling us to get our stuff straight, but look at what they're doing to us. This is part of the problem. This is part of the reason why we're down. This is why we don't have employment. This is why we don't have education. This is why we're living in ghettos. This is why i, I got to go out here and, sit and sell me some dope or get into my little gang. Because I see stuff like this on, look what they're doing, and it's all orchestrated by the people who run the government. 
So when the youngsters impose questions like this, what are our, all of our responses back to them when, when they ask questions like this? Because they're not dumb, they're not stupid. It's right. just that they're in a situation, a terrible situation. You're 19, 20 years old, you're not necessarily educated, and you're, you're not getting the, the teaching, the motivation, the leadership from a mother or a father because they may have had some issues in the past as well. That's what you grew up in. That's what you watched. And now how do I escape from here unless there's a, an, an economic situation and, and something is offered to me or you're going to get me out of here with an abundance of money, get me out of this environment? Of course they would go somewhere else. Of course they would probably do better. But when they're trapped in those environments, what can we say to them to get their attention to get them to do better? Well, you know what? You're absolutely right about that, Andre, and it's a really big dilemma because if we don't start communicating with our youth and if we don't start uh, uh, developing more mentorship programs to help them navigate through their uh, complex period and uh, through a complex period of their lives, it's going to continue. Uh, we're going to go from juveniles to young adults, and we're going to go to state prison. You know, we're going to enter the penal code, uh, the, the penal system, as a juvenile, and the recidivism rate is going to continue. You know, a lot of people don't realize uh, that the, the recidivism rate in itself, out of state prison, let's just skip over a little bit, and then I'll go back, is probably, if I recall correctly, somewhere in the area of 76, 77% within a five-year period. So what we want to do, um, and, 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 and you know what else um, that comes to my mind? Um, uh, just uh, African-American boys themselves. Uh, now, there's no real national recidivism rate because it varies from state to state, but uh, it's approximately 60% uh, with, with, within that same time. And first offenders because of all this mess that's happening, uh, are usually only 15 to 17 years of age. So what are the keys? What do we do? Well, again, uh, we have to start communicating. Uh, communication, I think I was speaking with Dr. Kwaku about this before, um, is essential. Um, and we have to start uh, um, developing more mentorship programs. You know, some of the most effective uh, counseling interventions uh, start with uh, mentoring-focused programs and, and group-based programs and a variation of, of the two. So, I mean, it, it, it's a hard thing that we, need, that we have to do. But you know what? No one's listening to our youth. No one's listening to the fact that, as you said, Andre, they're not stupid. They're looking at the news. You know, their parents are not listening to them all the time. So we need to have some sort of counseling component connected to these youths, whereas we need to let them know that there is someone listening to you, and there are solutions and, to your problems. And that's just it, too, Brother Darrell, is we have to bring solutions. And let me just say this. Trump is just saying, oh, we all must be united and condemn all that hate stands for. There's no place for this kind of violence in America. Let's come together as one. Now, when homeboy over in North Korea threaten to light up this place and go off. Oh, we're going to come down on you with hail and brimstone and fire and, and, and yeah. all of this. How come that same type of wording isn't done to these supremacists 
down in, in Virginia. They should be treated as uh, uh, terrorists. They're, they're, they're terrorists here in this country. Anybody that comes out with this type of bull crap that's going on right now in Virginia, you are a terrorist. You are a domestic terrorist. The military should be there right now. They should be sent over to Guantanamo into that prison over there in Cuba and detained as a domestic terrorist. I agree. That's all it is, and this is the same type of crap that led in when Sister Jean came on and elaborated to us what went on in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes. That was a planned, orchestrated thing to wipe out black folks in that economy. All the things that we're saying right now, get yourself together educationally, economically, and all that. They did this in 1921 in Tulsa. They started recirculating the dollars in the community, like Dr. Kwaku just said earlier about what I said earlier about circulating the dollars in the community. They were doing that in Tulsa, and then then these people, they, they weren't selling dope and crack and all that kind of stuff. They had legitimate businesses. There was doctors. There was lawyers. There was jewelry stores, all kinds of different trading posts, and they came in there. Before they bombed the place, they looted it. And yeah. so these are the sort of things that we're going to depend with when we're talking to the youth. Yeah, when we do get us up together, the white folks are just going to come in there and blow us up and take everything. And mm-hmm. so these are the sort of things that we're going to have to contend with when we're dealing with with the youth because now when you're talking about the recidivism rate of somewhere around 76%, you know, mm-hmm. they look at going to the jail is is a badge of honor. Sometimes you get you. I've been shot five times, six times, seven times. And so... They show you the bullet holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're proud of that. Let's go try to call it from New York, and then we'll just go ahead on and have a an open discussion. Uh, call it from your New York. State your name. And where are you calling from in New York? Or are you calling from New Jersey? We're just saying you're from New York. Go ahead. You got it. Come on, New York. Come on, come on, come on. The brother's waiting on you. Oh, well, maybe if, if if I was just unmuted, then it must be me. But this is uh, Brother Ron Brooks. Um, hey, Ron. Yeah, hello, everybody. I didn't know that, know that it was me because I'm actually in Jersey. Um, I was on my way returning from a um, funeral, so that's why I was on late. But I did tell Brother Dow that I would try to jump on um, after the funeral was over. Um, but with all that said and, and with, you know, just, again, giving a listening ear to everything that, that um, your brothers were speaking on i mean you know realistically um you know brother dow made a statement that our youth are are the are the future but i would like to also chime in with that that our youth is really right now because now is really the time that if they are effectively trained and and taught on how to overcome some of these obstacles that we're all talking about then they themselves have a chance for the future but if if they continue to just um, not be be trained, not be taught, um, not be mentored, then of course um, you know the definition of insanity comes into play, and, and that's doing you know the same things and, and expecting different results. But but we all know that that is um, is the definition of insanity, and it's not going to happen. And um, with with everything that's going on in Virginia. 
And, uh, you know, with everything that's going on and, you know, well, we don't even have to look to Virginia. You know, we can we can look to, you know, the the inner city. We can look on in New Jersey and, you know, the inner cities of Patterson and Newark, you know, where we live, and yeah. we can see some of the same sorts of things that are, you know, at one time were covert. Now they're actually out there right there in the open. And these are the things that, that we want to affect um, you know, with, with the program that we endeavor to do. Yes. All right. I'll let uh, Dr. Koiku uh, respond. Well, no, I agree with the brother. You know, the definition of insanity is, is certainly appropriate here. And I think uh, Dr. Amos Wilson spoke about that all the time. He said, we as black people in America, we must all be crazy. You know, because in order for us to continue down a trail of, uh, no matter what these people say, Malcolm stated it best, better than anybody. He said, I don't care what they say. I see what they do. I don't care what they say. I see what they do. I don't care if they're Republicans or who are. They get up there and, in fact, Trump just got on there and made this little speech about we must all come together at one at the same time while you are hiring white supremacist people who are known racist to run the government. So we have to, you know, when education, education does not necessarily mean the school system. I mean, we, naturally, we're going to have to establish our own school system to get control of our kids. But that's not what it means. Education means preparing your children for the future. You, that begins in the home. You start teaching them because they're going to go to school in these public schools, we're gonna, and they're going to hear a whole lot of stuff. Most of it lies, as you well know. The only thing that's generic about the education system is science and math. You know, the rest of that stuff is stories about European concepts and, and conquerors. So we have to understand, we have to re-educate our people to have, you know, in, in order for them to build a foundation that they'll be able to stand on throughout their life. They can't go through life, and they shouldn't go through life trying to fit in or trying to be like, you know, just trying to, you know, just become a part of a where known racism exists, known, I mean, we we got killers on the police force. These people are racist, you know. That's why they're so quick to shoot down black kids. And see, we have to understand what the, uh, capitalism stands for. You know, when do you know that when you go to jail now, if your child goes to jail, you got to pay for them to be in juvenile hall? Yeah, mm-hmm. I have. I had a client, and her daughter was was uh, arrested for bullying online on Facebook. They made her wear an ankle bracelet. The mother was a poor lady; she had to pay that I don't know thirty some dollars every day. And if somebody rich, that might not mean anything. But to somebody who's surviving, and you got to pay for your child to be wearing an ankle bracelet around. So we got to understand, it. and and that's why the prisons they're trying to privatize those. These things are money makers. And if any of you guys ever been out in the country out there in Arizona and Wyoming and these places, and you find that there's no industry out there, but there's prisons out there, and guess what? In fact, I passed through a town when I was going back in. There was no industry in the town period. They had a prisoner, and everybody in the town worked at the prison. Guess what? They were all white. You know, so what we are, we have continued to allow ourselves to be used to fatten these people's pockets and send their kids to college, it's time for us to take control of our stuff. And that's why I'm not I'm not uh, promoting saying that we should separate 
but we should separate on what we are going to be a part of, what we're going to participate in. We should separate based on, you know, I don't want you educating my children anymore. You know, these are the kind of things we should get our mind right on. We are uh, uh, trying to fit that mode of insane because we are insane and we get up every day praying to a white God that this thing is going to turn around someday. And here we are in 2017, and we're just as bad off as we were in 1939 or 1940. You know, well, let me take the position, Doc, as one of these youngsters. I'm 19 years old. I don't have a high school diploma. I've been in jail. I'm out. I want to do better. What can I do to turn myself around? What solutions? I listen to what all you guys are saying. I want to turn my life around. I want to to work. I want to make a living. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to sell dope. I don't want to be a part of a game. But if you guys don't have a solution to guide me, then I'm going to have to fall back into it. So what can you guys do? Let me start with Brother Rodney, then we'll go to Brother, Brother Daryl. What can you do for me, Brother Rodney? I don't want to go to jail, but what can you do for me? Well, you know, I've had several young men approach me as I was out there doing my insurance, and they were saying, hey, man, you know, you look like you're doing a really good job. We need people to do this. And uh, they say, you know, but I can't get myself involved with it. I can't, you know, I can't do it. The first thing I said to the young man, you have to stop saying I can't. You got to take that out of your vocabulary. Because, see, what you did yesterday, I said, is not what you're doing today. But if you keep saying I can't, you're never going to find out how. And, 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 and the, the toughest thing, the toughest thing that I said to a, to a young man was you might have to move. Go to another state. Go to another city. You don't have to stay in your backyard. Go in the front of the yard. Go in the front of the house. Go down the street. Leave. It, it's not going to harm you. Oh, well, you know, I, I ain't got no money to do nothing like that. I don't, I don't have a, you know, I ain't got no, I, I won't have no support out there to do nothing like that. I say, hey, brother, how many times did you hear about the Underground Railroad when they were freeing the slaves? Did they have money in their pocket? Did they have a family to come to? Did they have a city that they known where they were going? I said, see, Get the history of what made us who we are, and it will get you to know that you can, and it's not about you can't. That's what I say to him, brothers. All right. Let me go to Brother Darrell, then we'll go to Brother Ronald. Brother Darrell, what do you say to the youth, somebody who wants to get their life straight, want to do better, don't want to go back there, don't want to get shot, don't want to sell no dope? They want to do better. They're living in the house with the mother, the mother's own welfare. She's not even educated. So I'm not even getting guidance. I don't even know who my daddy is, or he might be in jail, or he might be dead. What do I do? What can you do? What can we do collectively so I don't go back to jail or end up dead? Well, 
great, great, great. Well, you you know what, Andre? In 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 all my years of experience, and and I've been doing this for over thirty some odd years. Um, I found I found that well for myself, I'm, I'm more practical, and I found that once you see, you have to you have to establish a therapeutic rapport with these individuals, or some sort of rapport initially uh, with these individuals, um, but. What I found, since I'm, 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 I'm talking practically, uh, practically, practically speaking, uh, what was more effective is that, again, you know, with, with uh, we, us, as mentors, as social workers, as counselors, we, because, uh, again, these individuals, they're looking for something to happen. They're, right. it, they're looking for, as we said before, instantaneous, instantaneous gratification. Well, we need to be realistic with that. Sometimes it's not instantaneous, but if if we uh, if we do research uh, on programs uh, of coordinated services that will assist these individuals in uh, skill set building, um, and, and believe it or not. Uh, individuals even out, out, outside of 19 and 20 years old, some of the programs consist of role-playing, coming in, um, in, in, a, in a tie. Whatever, if you don't have a tie, we'll provide a tie. We'll provide a jacket. Uh, we will go over how to interview. Um, and and, and it, it, we have to research it. Um, here in New Jersey, we have a tremendous resource that we can use. It's 311 that we can search out these types of programs for individuals. Because just like you said, Andre, uh, they don't want to go to jail. You know, show me something. What, what can I do so that I don't reenter that penal system, so I don't go back to prison, so I don't go back to the juvenile detention center? Um, so we have, to, we have to do research. We have to do work. And, and, and I'll tell you something. Once a, a, a juvenile sees that you are working. I mean, I've run up against the toughest juveniles, the gang members, cats that were selling dope, cats that were, you know, some of my, some of my clients have been murdered by other, some of my other clients. But once they see, you know, it, what, 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 it, first of all, if their attitude is correct and or if you, you help them change that attitude, you know, by letting them know that you have to allow yourself to uh, uh, um, think uh, and have consequential thinking, you know, imagine the upsides and the downsides and the results of, of your behaviors because there are consequences to that. And, you know, once you show them all that and once you, they see that you are actually doing some work for them, they change, you know. Now, I'm not saying 100% of them will change, but you know what? If we can change one or two, then we're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just say this, too. Um, you know, I've only been to the East Coast, I think, one time back in around 85. And I'm telling you, man, I, I grew up here in California all my life. And I went to Philadelphia to visit a friend of mine. And, you know, I, I used to always listen to the Giants and the Phillies play on the play baseball, listen to them on the radio. That was back in those days, the old days, you know, you'd still on your little transistor radio or something. And they would always say that 
Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love and these cherry trees. So I always thought that Philadelphia was lined up with cherry trees and the city of brotherly love is a nice place to go. <laughs> and, and when I went to Philadelphia for the very first time in around 1985 or so, you know, I was a whole bunch of I was a lot younger then and, and a bit naive to what's going on in the world. I had the worst case of culture shock in my life going to Philadelphia. I could not believe what I saw. I saw just miles of garbage piled up six foot high, people throwing garbage out the window. This was in North Philly now. And um, I just couldn't believe it. I, I saw these row homes and, and, and things like that, and just I, I, it was just funky at what I saw after being here in California. Then uh, my friend and her two daughters, they said, hey, well, let's go up to New York on this Saturday and see New York. What do you want to see? You want to see the Statue of Liberty, Empire State Building, all of I Before I die, I got to see Yankee Stadium. I must see Yankee Stadium. I don't care about no Statue of Liberty and all that stuff. <laughs> they need a Yankee Stadium. They took yeah. me to Yankee Stadium. They couldn't believe why I wanted to go to Yankee Stadium, of course, but, you know, I, I grew up playing baseball. When I came out the pool, I was playing baseball. And so I want to see where Mickey Mantle, Roger Merritt, Elston Howard, uh, Ben yeah, Brooks, yeah. Roger Merritt, I wanted to see where these cats played ball. They took me to Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, and, man, I could not believe it. See, right, you might remember back in those days, you could just walk out on the Coliseum when nobody's playing up in the parking lot. You could play football. There was no wires or fences, anything like that. And, and there at Yankee Stadium, I couldn't believe that they had a 10-foot-high barbed wire fence. Why would they have yeah. a fence around the parking lot? But after right. I saw that damn Bronx, where car 54, where are you supposed to be? And and I saw the Bronx, I thought that was the most frightening thing I've ever seen in my life. I thought it was more frightening than the werewolf, Frankenstein, Dracula combined going through the Bronx. I said, holy crap, how can Babe Ruth, Roger Merritt, and Mickey Mantle all play in this environment? I couldn't believe it, but I said if they didn't have this 10-foot fence, you had 20,000 cars out there, it wouldn't none of them be there after the game was over. And and then I had to see Harlem. I had to see where Cotton comes to Harlem. I had to see where Shaft was and Superfly. Come on, and Come on I had to see that environment. Come on, and you man. know what? Harlem wasn't that bad. I was expecting to, to see holy hell in Harlem, but Harlem to me was... It was non-threatening at all. But that damn Bronx was something else. And I said, holy crap. Hey, and hey, so Andre. I'm yeah, saying I... this just to say that culture shock. <laughs> and yes. growing up in that environment back there, oh, mm-hmm. God, those are days in New York was known for you walk down the street, you get mugged and all this stuff, man. Yeah. <clears throat> and I just bring that up to somebody from California, bringing out here, and when I and I'll let you go ahead and make your point, Rodney, just a second. And I thought L.A. was hell. When I got back to California, I wanted to do like the, I would have gone to any parts of South Central L.A. where all the Crips and Bloods, I would have kissed the ground. Anyway. Yes, yes. And you know what, Andre? I got to tell you, man, I, I can really, uh, first of all, you know, you had me walking down memory lane talking about that. 
because I was born in Harlem. I was born in Harlem Hospital, lived on mm-hmm. 132nd Street and 8th Avenue, seen it all there. Moved up to the Bronx to 153rd and Tiffany Street and into Bell Avenue. And from there, moved further up into the Bronx to 223rd and Barnes Avenue. And I agree with you. The, the Bronx can be frightening. But back in the day, Harlem was cool. It was real clean. Yeah, it was yeah. more of a close-knit uh, community than the Bronx because the Bronx encompassed all of the individuals from Queens and Brooklyn and Staten Island and even Harlem. They all mix up in the Bronx. But Harlem had their own community. And they still do, actually. But, um, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I can understand the cultural shock uh, that you must yeah. have experienced. And and how oh, are you are experiencing the same shock in other ways? I'm sorry, Rodney. Go ahead. No, I, was, I wasn't interjecting, but, you know, I had a walk through Philly. Uh, matter of fact, um, a proportion of West Philly were my relatives. Uh, I'm third-generation newbie out of Virginia, and uh, my mom's mother, father had 20, uh, 25 kids, and 13 wow. of them went to West Philly, and they started the newbies up there, and if you ever go down to Scurry County, Virginia, you're going to meet everybody in their last name is newbie. So when I went to West Philly the first time in my life, Andre, I, it, it, was, it was an eye-opener that I had so many so many people that I never met. And and when I went into New York, <laughs> I didn't go to the Bronx. I stayed in Harlem, man, because the stories I heard about the Bronx, I won't go up there. <laughs> oh, man. The same, the right. same immigrants, the same immigrants that's in Virginia right now talking about supremacy are the same guys that was in the Bronx <laughs> that wanted to do the same thing to you, you know? And, and and that's why it's so amazing today that we're seeing it. We're seeing the riots. I hope the riots don't start back in the system the way they once were. But it's so it's so amazing that those of us that have that were living in that environment, we're able to see this and we're sharing it with people. We're seeing, we saw, we're seeing it again. And you know, like you, you and Dr. Quaku and everyone are saying, we we have to do something. And we need to take action now for our youth. I concur with you. And I'm glad you went back there, Rodney, because uh, I wanted to go back there also. You know, um, we have such stimulating and invigorating conversations uh, on this program, uh, but we need to stay focused because, um, you you know, uh, our our youth, as as Brother Brooks said, Brother Brooks, that that was a great thing you said, I always refer to our, our our youth and our children as a future, but you're absolutely right. There is no future if there is no right now. And, uh, you know, uh, as, when, as, as I was speaking with Barbara uh, about um, speaking to our youth and placing them in, in, uh, a hypo, in hypothetical situations by asking them, what would you do if questions, you know, because – these our youth need to know what to do in certain scenarios, and uh, that that's why I think this program, this show, is going to be so effective because there's a certain counseling component connected to it. And I'm not sure if uh, Brother uh, Carter is on the line. Is he on the line, uh, Brother Andre? 
I see him on the board, but he is not on as a caller. So he's listening in, but okay. he's on a, on a computer. <clears throat> okay. Because I, I, I think that, again, you know, being practical and showing, you know, uh, these youth, you know, things that work, actually working at it and, and, and putting, you know, your nose to the grindstone for them, I, I, I just know from my experience that they will appreciate it. And, and, and uh, also having these different programs and organizations in place. And we all know that a lot of these programs are no longer available because the funding is no longer available. And thanks to Trump, I don't think they're going to be available. But there are still programs available, and there's still organizations available, and there's still churches available, and there's still some uh, a- uh, after-school uh, recreational uh, programs available, and what we need to do is to seek them out. Absolutely, and and, uh, bro- and brother Dowell, if I can if I could piggyback on that for a moment to get back to uh, brother Andre's question. So I believe that the first step in helping them is um, to help instill some hope back into them, because yes. a lot of our a lot of our young people feel as though they have no hope. Yes. And and I'm I'm a firm I'm a firm believer that people don't care how much we know until we know how much they uh, until they know how much we care. Yeah. And 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 I think that part of part of the training and 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 teaching that we have to instill in them is how to prioritize their lives. You know, they they need to know what's important. And I can tell you, as an HR professional and as one that does the the hiring um, for my location. I have a lot of young people that come into um, the store, you know, for a job, and a lot of them, as soon as you mention the drug test, oh, boy, here we go. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. much so that they're like, okay, well, you know, I ha- I'll never forget, I had this one young man who, after I interviewed him, he interviewed very well, very smart, articulate young man, but then when it came down to the drug test part, the young man got up, he shook my hand, he looked me in the eye, he said, Mr. Ron, he said, you know what? He said, uh, I'm not even going to waste your time. I can't pass that drug test. Yeah. And, and, he, and, I, and all I can do is just look at the young man, I, I shook his hand, and I said, well, listen, thank you so much because you know these drug tests and background checks cost the company about six or $7,000 for us to do in order to bring you aboard, so I appreciate you not going through but then there was this other young brother that um, got ready to, to take the test, and he said the same thing. And as we were just conversating, he said to me, he said, you know, Ron, I got two small kids, you know, he said, and I really, really need this job. So when it came down to the drug test, he said, you know what, I, I, I'm not going to pass it. So I said, listen, let me have a sidebar with you, young brother. Mm-hmm. I said, because I said, only because I feel that, that this is what, what the Lord has laid on my heart to say to you at this moment. It's mm-hmm. totally off script, and it has nothing to do with, with the job. I said, but you need to prioritize your life. Mm-hmm. I, said, I said, you just told me five, ten minutes ago that you have two small kid children that you need to, to be able to provide for. I said, so let me ask you a question. Is smoking weed that much more important to you than to get a job where you can get benefits and be able to take care of your family. Amen. And he thanked me and I said I said, listen, this is where you this is where you need to go. I said, now I'm telling you this that hopefully that you'll start learning 
what's important. And I think that that's, that's one of the things that we have to instill in our young people is what is important in, in your life. What are, what are the priorities? And then also to, to get them connected with um, training, you know, programs like the local one-stop centers that we have in our communities um, to help them gain employment because, as Brother Andre said, listen, you know, if I got to go out here on the corner and sell drugs because I think this is the only way that I'm going to make it, guess what? Mm-hmm. That's what I. That's what I'm going to go out here and do. And, and that's that, and that's a lot of their mentality. But if we show them an alternative, exactly. we can't take something without giving something. And yeah. and, I, and I also I also have learned that small steps lead to great leaps. You know, we have to teach them how to take small steps, and those small steps will in turn hopefully lead to great leaps in their life. All right. Let me let me go to to uh, Brother Brian. He's on the line. Brother Brian, welcome to the show. You're on United We Stand. Uh, welcome. I I've heard everything that everybody said, and uh, what I wanted to interject, and Doctor Kweku, you can um you can agree with me on this or not, but I believe that um we need to get our youth to start liking themselves. And I take this on, I take this on a spiritual path because you know if they don't have a relationship with God, they will never understand that there is someone out there who does love them and wants them to succeed. So if if we can somehow get them into a conversation where we're talking about them accepting themselves for themselves, who they are, and why they're here, that might start a, a, a an open conversation on, on what we can get them to do. Go ahead, Doc. Oh yeah, without a without a uh, you know, any, I don't disagree with you on none of that. I think you know the important thing, and one of the things that I do in my practice and and working with families and youth is is to, feel, is to establish a relationship. You can't establish a relationship with somebody who don't like you. You know, it's not going to happen. So I try to get them to know who I am and appreciate that. And then I can start to be able with them that the important. In fact, I had a young man yesterday, 17 years old, just he's getting ready to graduate, and he's been going through a rough time for the last year or so. But I've seen just these small changes that, you know, I, I, I always leave him the session, build him up to be, let him know that you are great. You have power beyond all belief at your fingertips. But yeah. as long as you as long as you're caught up in yesterday's thoughts, <clears throat> as long as you're caught up in what happened last week, you're never going to be able to see the future, and 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 demonstrate to him that you know the possibilities are unlimited, and you can show that by your consistency. <clears throat> I don't care whether you're a preacher, a counselor, a therapist, whatever. You, you have to be consistent when you're dealing with youth because they already dismayed because of how they've been introduced to this society. And so we have to give them something real, uh, something mm-hmm. that they can You know, and yes. I give him exercises. That, like, I'll see him next week. I gave him some homework to do by the time I see him next week. And I tell him, it's not just so important for you, it's important for me, because it lets me know that I'm doing the right thing, but it also helps you to get focused in some other areas of your life. But the main thing is to let these youth know that you care about them because they don't really believe it. You take a, a kid that his daddy left or in jail or his mama left or she had, you know, for whatever reason, 
that is a kid that don't believe nobody cares about them. Yes. And so when you're trying to preach positive stuff to them without establishing that bond, and that's the main, the key thing for me is can I build a, a relationship here? Can I build a bond? And, Doc, how yeah. do you take a kid from the known? He knows the ghetto life. He knows about my welfare. He knows that he is dead or in jail. He knows about crime. He knows about the gang. He knows about the ghetto fighting. How do you take him from the known into the unknown to that world of being self-sufficient and raising a successful family when he didn't grow up in a successful family? He don't know nothing about how to uh, write a rent check out to pay his rent or how to go down and purchase an automobile and get credit. How do you take him to that unknown world when you're into that known world of, of poverty and crime and, and violence? Well, I can say that, you know, Dr. Adams and I work with a bunch of kids like that in East Oakland. In fact, we used to do counseling right on the corner where they were selling dope at. You know what I'm talking But what we did, was we did not allow our relationship with them to be just when they come to the office for counseling because they was referred there by the probation department or somebody. We gave them our personal phone numbers and said, any time, I don't care if it's 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, if you feel like you're getting ready to make a mistake, give me a call first, okay? So that that let them know that we were extending (laughs) ourselves beyond a few dollars that somebody might be paying us to do our job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the main thing is, is letting them know that you care. Build yeah. that relationship. Once you build that relationship, mm-hmm. the other stuff, you know, no child or no kid or no young man is going to listen to somebody that they don't respect or that they don't have a solid relationship with. So mm-hmm. the most important thing is build that relationship. Can I say something? Deacon, Deacon Brooks and I, we used to be deacons at a church that was right across the street from the projects. And the pastor that was there at the time went across the street to the projects and embraced the um, gang leaders and the people that were standing on it, the, the youth that were standing on the street selling drugs and talking ghetto nonsense. And he brought them over to him to the church and brought them in as regular people so that they could be involved in the church and they could be involved and see that somebody cared about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dr. Kwaku, um I, I got to say that uh, your last uh, few statements uh, really stirred my soul. Um, it, it, it's, it's wonderful. It, it's absolutely wonderful. These are some of the things that we need to do. These are some of the things I have done in the past, and they absolutely work. Um, like you said, um, establishing a relationship, that is number one. Now, we need to understand that, you know, whether it's a, a, a therapeutic relationship or whether it's a professional relationship, you, you have to establish some kind of relationship. Now, we also need to understand that everyone is not going to care for you. Everyone doesn't care for me. I, I've counseled thousands of individuals, and half of them despise me, you know, because of my mm. techniques and my approach. However, the other half loved me. So the half that despised me, um, I, 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 I transfer to another counselor because you cannot sit there and bang your head up against a wall and make someone like you. Jesus Christ had enemies, and we're going to have that. Um, 
But if you establish relationship and you get out there on the front line, like you said you did, and like Brian, you just said you and your pastor did at that time, uh, and and also teach them life skills, you know, writing checks and things of that sort. Um, uh, Andre, you said, what can we do? You know what we can do? Now, this is going to sound strange, but listen to me very carefully. We can give them guarantees. Now, we cannot give them guarantees of the results of our work, but we can give them guarantees of what we're going to do for them. And we need to go ahead and do that. And if we are consistent in that, then they will pick up on that, and some of them will be successful. Now, do you guys reach out to employers there in the New York, New Jersey area and request for uh, employment? And now, uh, also, whatever that job may be, uh, also the employers might say, okay, I want to get this drug-free, he may have to know how to read, he may have to know how to write, or he may have to have a driver's license. We understand he may have gone to jail, so we, we, we'll take that out of the equation. Um, and so these jobs could be as a grocery clerk. It could be as a driver. It could be in shipping and handling and receiving and, uh, 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 and, and, and unloading and these sort of things. But mm-hmm. now they're they're going to the the employers to say, but they got to do this, 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 and this. They so got to be able to do the basic type skills. And then when you go back to the youth, you're going to say, okay, we got this job here. But in order to qualify for this job, you got to pass your drug test. You got to be able to do some basic reading. Got to be able to do some basic whatever the situation may be. But before we get in that, let me do a, a quick. A quick uh, spot here. This is TP5 Dale Entertainment, Galaxy Talk Radio. Um, we're on United Stand. I'm your host, Andre Ward. I'm here with my distinguished guests here today uh, from the East Coast, but includes here from uh, uh, California, Dr. Koi Koo, and uh, Rodney Best as well. But listen to our 24 7 radio station, check out our music, check out our films, check out Dr. Koi Koo's book that's also. On um, United We Stand, I mean, on T25 Field Entertainment. Check out the various things that we're doing, and we're getting ready to do more things now that's coming up here in the future. And we want to get the youth involved. We want the youth, I know these youth have the talents and entertainment and the things that they're doing. So we want to get the youth involved in what we're doing. Let's get their works up and let's teach them the, the entertainment business and the economics of the entertainment business. And so that's what we're here for, to get the word out to help uh, everybody that we possibly can and also to provide some of the great music. And so I'm going to throw some people under the under the bus here in this second hour. So I want uh, Dr. Kwaku to take over the second hour, and I'm going to take back and be a listener. And Dr. Kwaku, this is his first day on the job here as, as my co-host of our Saturday morning show. And so uh, I want him to take over in the second hour. And um, also, I'm going to throw everybody else under the bus, too. I gave out the assignment last week. Check out United with Stand. I wanted everybody to elaborate on our on our film project. And so I'm going to let Dr. 
Great to be the whooping brother on on all of that today. <laughs> and I'm going to let him take over. And we're going to see, because somebody said earlier about giving out homework assignments. So I gave out a homework assignment. And I'm going to see if the brothers here did their homework assignment. And remember, I can see the back office. I know everything before I even ask the question. And Dr. Kwaku, I would just want to make a comment here uh, regarding uh, what Andre said previous to uh, the homework assignment. Um, uh-huh. He asked, do we, uh, do, do we um, help them get employment? And, and you, you know, you, you know uh, I'm hearing, a, I'm hearing a, a echo. Okay, it's uh-huh. gone. Um, as, as I said, you know, uh, the counseling component, which I think is uh, absolutely a fantastic thing. It's been proven to be the most effective uh, in the variations of it with individual, group, and parenting counseling. I'm sure you're aware of that. Um, but we, we also need to follow that up. The reason it's so effective is because we follow that up with coordinated services. And one of the coordinated services that we utilize with our youth, <clears throat> it's called DVR. It's one of a wealth of resources that, that we have um, in the state of New Jersey. DVR uh, stands for Division of, Rehabil- uh, uh, Division of Vocation and Rehabilitation. And so that's when an individual will be referred to them and they will provide them, the, the, the organization itself will provide the individual with training, um, with role playing, and then uh, re- uh, do, the, do additional research to place them in a job. And I think that is the most fantastic thing in the world because, again, the practicality of it is that is that you know it's working we're out there doing that for them they're seeing that we're pushing them in there and they're accepting them as as referrals and they're getting they're they're, they're now in a, a a job they're not making uh crazy money but they're making some kind of money and they're making some kind of progress so i just want to throw that out there yeah you know i, I agree with you we, we we have to have programs i don't know how many of you gentlemen uh saw the movie chirac you know, Mike Lee's last joint. Well, one of the messages at the end of that movie, one of the things I like about the fact he's always manages to, to leave you with a message thinking about something that you need to do when you leave the theater. And and what he, they, they really said, that you need to establish behavioral mental health uh, clinics in every African community, all of it, and have people in there who are committed to bringing our people back to the forefront and teaching them that, you know, that they are viable, that they have something to offer this planet. And one of the things you'll notice about most youth, and I've experienced that recently with, with some people in my own family, is they think that the world owes them something. Uh-huh. The world don't Absolutely. owes you nothing. The world owes you nothing. You have a responsibility to get out there and make it for yourself. And yeah. so – we have to be able to get people past the mental health. And the mental health is how do you leave the past behind? You leave the past behind by doing something new. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like we were talking about a while ago about doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Mm-hmm. You have to do something different if you want something to be different. But what you do while they're doing making that transition is you provide them that support. 
That was the reason for giving them our numbers to contact us 24 hours a day if they needed to. To let them know that I'm not no nine to five guy. You know, uh-huh. the, the, the business I'm in is about helping people. So somebody help me. Somebody help me. I wouldn't be where I'm at. Right. And so, and the objective is to get them to the point where a lot of our brothers out there, they won't even ask for help. You know, you have to teach them. It's all right to ask for help as long as you use it to your advantage. Use it to grow. Use it to grow and develop into a better place. And there's nobody, and there's nobody that I've dealt with. Well, my mother's guy sleeping on the street. There's nobody that I ever met, and I asked them this question. Do you want your kids to live like this? 100% of them is going to say no. Well, if you don't want your kids to live like this, then you have to change. Because Uh whatever you do is going to be passed on to the next generation. It's a continuous educational process. It's a continuous uh, relationship building process where they get to the point where you become a community with that person. I don't care if you live in the Oakland Hills or you live in the Berkeley Hills or where, but for that relationship, you live right next door to that person because they know they can trust you. They know they can depend on you. And I tell guys, uh, somebody said something about a guarantee. And I tell mm-hmm. guys that all the time. I say, I guarantee mm-hmm. that if you change your behavior and follow these directives, that your life is going to get better. Yes, sir. You know, and that's a guarantee that you can back up. Because if they follow the rules and the regulations and the guidelines and the support that you provide for them, their life is going to get better. And that's why Mm -hmm. I I try to emphasize that. Uh Yes, go ahead. Anybody else with a question? Well, I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, that was me, uh, Daryl Thornton, uh, uh, this is Daryl, Dr. Quick, who who, who spoke about guarantees. And... uh, uh, what, what I spoke about was I guarantee you that I will do the work, and if I do if I do my job, then something's going to change. I, I I was telling them I couldn't guarantee what the what the level of the results would be, but I would give them guarantees, and it would it it, it would happen every single time if they kept up their part of the bargain. Yes, so, yes, yes I, right. I agree with that. And, you know, one of the things that I've always noticed about working with you is that you're going to run into an element that's going to reject you. It's just like the brother said, that those that don't want to deal with me, you refer them to somebody else. But you're going to run into uh, a, a lot of them are going to want help, and you have to teach them how to seek out that help, how to respond to that help, and, you know, and how to – you have to teach them how to trust again because they probably oh, heard a thousand counselors. They've had a thousand counselors to tell them the same thing, but as soon as the funds run out of the program, they drop them off. When they defunded our program, guess what? Dr. Adams and I still saw our people. We still went to see our people. We went and we, we still participated. Uh, you know, I had to have another job, but when I was off in the evening, we went to see those people. We went to see their parents. We built a relationship with their parents. Even if their parents were on crack, I've been in crack houses to pick up kids on Saturday morning. And you understand? And the mother is, is, is in that drug out, but I said, look, we're going to take your kids out fishing today. We, and that's all part of building that relationship. And, and, and what happens is even those parents start to feel guilty about what they're doing in front of their kids. 
They said, well, these people outside care this much about my kids. I ought to be able to do something. So you, you're doing a lot of motivational stuff with your actions, not necessarily with your words. Go ahead. You, you, uh, you know, I, I just – I, I just got to say, you know, I, I think that's fantastic. Um, you know, I've been on the front line as well. But, you know, one thing that sticks in my mind here um, is that, uh, you know, I'm a believer, Dr. Kwaku. I believe in my Lord Jesus Christ. Like you won't believe. I love him. He's awesome. Um, and he's done so many things for me because I have faith and I know he's faithful. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's very interesting that as I've gotten older, and, and let me say this, I know that Brother Brooks and Brother Brian are on my same page, um, but I, I want to say this, as I've gotten older, I've realized, you know, even singing on the choir stand, fellas, you know, looking out in the congregation, I see individuals that are now my age, and I'm 62 years old, that have, have joined the church, that are new members of the church, that are joining um, the church in, 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 in the call. Uh, and I say to myself, I mean, I've been in church all my life. You know, I've strayed away, but God's grace and mercy has sustained me uh, at times. My father's a pastor, um, and, I, and, and I have all, I have many, so much history of, of ministry in my family, but I say that for a reason. But I, I see people in the congregation who are just coming to church, you know, at 60, 50, 70 years old. And, you know, my, uh, my vision is to help some of these youth. Now, we have a youth ministry, but I would love to see some of our young people start joining the church at an early age. Uh, because I think that that particular uh, organization, our church and churches in general, can help our our young people stay on the straight and narrow or or get back on the straight and narrow because we have individuals that are 13, 15, 17 years old who have unbelievable crimes and history of, of, of crimes. And so that, that's part of my vision as well to get them into not only other programs but into churches as well if that be their choice and if we can uh, open their eyes to that. What do you think about that? Oh, well, yes, uh, hey, hello. Hey, hello. Oh, hello. Go ahead. Hey, go ahead. Sir. Rodney Best. Um, go ahead. You know, I've, I've, I've been given a, given a good ear. And one thing that I, that I really uh, applaud is the gangs that I've seen in California, how they took matters into their own hands. And, and what they did. They went Midwest, and they started building cities where they didn't have to have a question of their background check and whether they did drugs. They started farming. They started building little commercial outlets and in, in, in operations. And, and the, things that, the thing that I would really, really love to see happen is for us, as elder black men to begin to recommend to these young men who are gangs, why not look at putting your money into something that can advance your children? Mm. Because, see, the food, 
America needs food. People need food. So if we are growing stuff, if we start growing stuff, we have to bring it to the market. Now, when, when I, when I, and I'm going to be short right here. When I say bring it to the market, who owns the market? Well, hmm. well the federal government is going to say, well, you got to go through federal regulations. Well, if we meet the federal regulations and we go along with the guidelines of growing the fruit properly to bring back to the, not the rural area, but the improved area, aren't we beginning to make a change? And, you know, I'm not talking about pack up and, and, and leave and go 150,000 miles away. I'm talking about finding the rural areas and surrounding these communities and start building. And I applaud the gangs in the state of California because they're doing that. They're coming out of the inner city. They're taking their members and saying, hey, let's do something. And they're farming. They're doing, they're doing farming and they're bringing the food back. And, and you're gonna, hopefully we'll begin to see in the very near future more black supermarkets, just like we have the black farming uh, uh, markets down in Texas. Hopefully we'll see in California. But I think that's a heck of a suggestion. And I'm just throwing it out there. What do you guys think about that? To, 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 to tell these gang members that you're communicating with, with all this source of money they have, why don't you put it and move it here where it can feed the people to good health, feed your babies? You're not selling your babies drugs. Why don't you sell something that's going to give your babies life? It's just, just a suggestion. I know the gangs in California are doing it. The Crips and the Bloods, you know, they're, they're always on TV. I'm going to see if I can get the guy on Compton Politics on Monday night to talk more about it. But it's a, it's a, it's a really good idea. I, I wish him well with it. And I think he should maybe now we got an opportunity to stretch it to the East Coast, Daryl, and, and start talking to him about building a community, building a neighborhood, building a town all by themselves. Well, uh I like that idea, Rodney, um, and the reason I like that idea is because I like the uh, the idea of keeping money within our community. Uh, if you keep food within our community and agriculture, then you keep money within our community, um, and we need to uh, really take a look at that very, very closely so that we don't have another Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> Oh, without a doubt, I, I agree that it's a you know it's a it's a great great idea and and it has a lot of uh, possibilities, and but we should do that as well as other things too. I you know I think I mentioned last week on the show that we did have a a bank in Oakland called the Freedom National Bank, and even the, and even the black people wouldn't even support it. I used to talk to the manager every time I went in there, you know, and I said, why is not people in here? And, you know, he demanded for whatever reason. The white people won't won't invest their money in us, and the black people won't put their money in here, and that's why the bank failed. But we have to do that if we ever have any kind of opportunity of of bringing back a black Wall Street, because a black Wall Street should have a black bank, right? You shouldn't have to go to Bank of America. A black Wall Street should have a black bank, and if we have banks, that means we employ people. You know. We can have insurance companies. This is one of the things that I used to do 
on the East Coast when I was in Connecticut years ago. We started an organization, and one of the things that we had, had was started was was trying to form an insurance company. Insurance is is the biggest markup in industry of commercial society. We have yep. our insurance company. Guess what? We got jobs for our people, insurance agents. You understand what I mean? We control the money. It stays in the community. It stays in insurance. It stays in the bank. We open up supermarkets, and we got people out here farming, growing their food. We are a community again. We are not a community now. We are, uh, if you could call America a community, I guess that, that you could call it that. But we, people expect uh, community action in non-community societies. We must become a community again, and we do that by controlling our economics, by controlling, you know, uh, uh, our educational system, by controlling, uh, you know, the security of that neighborhood. We don't have any control. I remember my grandfather, the only security we had was him sitting on the front porch with his shotgun. Now they don't want us to have no shotgun, but they got white supremacists walking around downtown Virginia there with guns strapped on. You know, you understand? We got to look at what's in front of us. The lessons are real clear that we are being marginalized more and more and more to the point we, and they're changing the rules around the voting, and that's why they were glad to get Trump in there to get that person on the Supreme Court. They're going to change the rules even more when it gets up there. When the voting rights gets up there, they're going to try to knock it down. What that means is that we're going to be even more marginalized. This is a clear and present message that we need to formulate our communities and that's from the church to the bank to the insurance company to the wash house to the to the field. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I love about these shows is that there are so many different variations, and we deviate so quickly it turns on a dime. Um, but just, <laughs> <laughs> just prior to Rodney bringing uh, uh, that that up, um, I had made a statement about the youth. Uh, uh, joining the church, and uh, I, I put a question on the table. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, well, I, I, think, I think personally, I think it's an excellent idea. However, uh, there was a, I don't know, it was a movie I was watching one night, and uh, this guy, he was a Christian, and uh, this other guy, his son hung out with this guy who was a, a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And, when he brought him to introduce him to his father, his father said, well, if Allah can get him to, to live a positive life better than Jesus, then I'm open to that. <laughs> well, however people come, as long as it's about positiveness, as long as it's about the building of that community, the safety of that community, <clears throat> I'm all for it. It doesn't matter what denomination they belong to. What they I, do agree, this or what. I agree with that. Uh-huh. I agree yeah, with Go that. ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, uh, this is Daryl. This is Daryl. I was just saying that I agree with that. Um, oh, yeah, you know, so that was that was my answer to that question. It doesn't uh-huh. matter how we get them in there, or what right, building right. we get them in, or what denomination. As long right. as we have a true message of 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 you know, doing for self. Mm-hmm. We don't I need the white man to do nothing for us. We can do it for ourselves. But we have to I, find. Now, do you know what they do at the? Uh, you been to a synagogue? That's where the I, Jewish I, I people have go. Been, I have been to a synagogue. Yes. But you know they go to church at four or five o'clock in the morning, and you know what they do? 
Mm-hmm. They're not down there necessarily just praying. <clears throat> they're down there planning how they're going to control more of their activity, how they're going to control the money and the wealth. They discuss all of those things. So we need to be about the business of doing that. It's all we yo, we gotta pray. We gotta pray to whatever we believe in. But we still have to plan. Because I, I believe I, I was telling the person the other night that the creator, whoever you deem that to be, gave us brains. We were created in the image of the original creator. So we have attributes just like the creator. We have the opportunity to do that. But somehow between us being born and, and getting to the age where we need to start using it, it's been debunked. We have mm-hmm. to get that back. We have to have our people have to be motivated. You know, mm-hmm. and you see, you see people, they're not smiling. They're angry at the whole world because the world does not look like the place that people was telling them it was going to be. They thought every day was going to be Christmas. Mm-hmm. I, agree Christmas every day. Yeah. You know? I agree with that, Dr. Quickle. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? Uh, we, we just had, uh, in my church, we just had um, our pastor do a series on money management, uh, how to in, improve your credit, how to eliminate debt, how to make uh, money work for you. Um, if you had to do it all over again, how would, what would you do? Uh, again, that's, you know, what would you do with? Um, you could do it again. Um, and, and, and building wealth. And Rodney, I'm sure you can attest to that. So, and you know, yeah, I agree. You know, it was just, um, I was, you, you guys are hitting it right on the head. And, and the, thing that, the thing that I think can really be a movement, a movement, you say you want to get the youth into the church. Yeah. Well, well let's, give them, let's give them a reason to support the church. And mm-hmm. the reason to support the church could be that the church now owns a farm. And the mm-hmm. church is doing something. And I'm not talking one church, you see, because most of the churches are part of different congregations and, and, I mean, different communities, and there's several churches together. But, you know, I've never heard what I haven't heard. I haven't heard a church say, I'm going to build this farm. And I keep using the word farm, man, because it's, it's, it's rural. It's taking people out of the inner city and put them in, into a rural environment where they got to use their hands, they got to use their mind, and they got to use the gift that God gave them, and that's life, getting up every morning. But why don't why haven't why haven't the black churches ever thought about employing our youth? Not through the system that we live today, not through the system that we learned yesterday. But what we need to do is get them in an environment where we can re-educate them, restructure them. So why haven't we, as black men, come up and said, you know what, there's a piece of rural property out here that nobody really owns. Let's, 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 let's see if we can let them go out here and develop this property and create an employment opportunity for themselves, complete, complete, uh, create some economic growth for themselves in for that new environment. That's where I think that the new, the new beginning has to become. We, inside the church, people who have degrees in all different variations, uh, you know, we got realtors, 
We got attorneys. We got developers. We got uh, uh, developers in electronics. We got all this knowledge that come in and sit in the pew. And they say, thank you, Lord. But all I'm, all I'm saying is maybe in the future we got to take a hard look at all this land that's out there. Can we take this land and begin a new life for kids that can't pass a drug test? <laughs> hey, you know what, man, out here you ain't got to be drug tested. All you got to do is go out here and pick some cabbage, pick some, pick yeah. some carrots. Pick some, uh, that's right. Some, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking. You know, maybe that's what we need to do. Well, we we do. We need to move in that direction, and on a lot of levels, because like you say, you you can you can uh, smoke weed or, or got drunk last night, but you can still pick some tomatoes or dig some potatoes or, or cut some asparagus, or cut cabbages. Uh, you there's, and you can and you, and you're earning some money. Because I don't care who it is, I have never met a human being yet, and I don't care how much you're making. When you finish a week off and you somebody lay a paycheck in your hand, you know that you earned that. You're going to use it much wiser than if you went out there and uh, uh, stole somebody's wallet. You know what I mean? And so we have to teach our people that. We have the capabilities. Let's not forget the reason why we come here. We weren't originally, our people wasn't originally brought here to be slaves. Our people were brought here, some of them, to teach these people about agriculture. That's right. We knew absolutely nothing about growing food and, and taking care of canning food and putting this stuff away. They learned these, uh, they had these experiences from us, and we made them rich. And so even though they they changed the law in, in 65 to say the slaves are free, they knew that in essence we couldn't be free because we couldn't afford to go anywhere. We had no opportunity to go anywhere. And we're not just talking about people who were unlearned. There were writers like Du Bois and some of the other guys. They wrote books 25, 30 years before they ever got published because they wouldn't even let a black publish the book. So we didn't have the opportunity. We now have the opportunity to to go back and, and let our actions speak for us. You know, once again, what Malcolm says, I don't care what you say, I see what you do. We need to be doing it. It's beautiful to be on this uh, on T25CL Entertainment and discuss these issues, but every day when we get up, whether you're going to do it in your church or your school or in your community, yeah, you know, my main focus when I get up is what can I do to make it better than it was yesterday? How can I translate this and make somebody's day better? You understand what I'm saying? We have to be on a constant. You know, that has to be our work. And it, and, it, and age doesn't make any difference. I don't know anybody anybody uh, read the story about Nat Turner. Do you know that most of those people were teenagers that he took with him on that revolution? Do you know that? They were youngsters. I think one of them was 14 years old. Uh So it's not too young to start. It's time for us to learn how to be men again and stand up and take responsibility. We we can no longer lay back and say, well, white folks did this. We know what white folks do. We know what they do. We see what they do. Now what are you going to do? What is your response? Go ahead, uh, Rodney. Anybody else? 
I don't have the board yet because the chief is gone, so I can't see who's all on the line. But if anybody has a comment or a question, the mic is open. Hello? Yeah. You know, as Rodney was saying about um, churches expanding, I remember back in the day when the church built up the community. They bought up all the land around the church to have that type of community where they could buy businesses and employ people into the into the businesses and I don't know what happened but it it got to the point where churches now want to build up a bigger box. Instead of instead of broadening outside that box, they want to build a bigger box to bring more people into the box and keep mm-hmm. them in the box. Right. Right. I know a situation right here in, in Oakland. In fact, I've been in that church many times because I used to go to all the churches around here at some point in time, where the, 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 the pastor bought up all this land, bought all these property up in these condominiums, and they pay rent to the church. But yes, yeah. her, she owns everything. She's just like a new landlord. You know what I mean? <laughs> And yeah. all of her kids, all of her kids, is riding around in Rolls Royces. So people look at the church with a jaundiced eye. You know, yeah. that's not, that's not the purpose of that. Go ahead. Yeah. But see, that's yeah. that's what I'm saying. See, we 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 it was there, but they brought inside of what we were already involved in. Yes. So so the so the youth. If we're talking about the youth. The message, the message that I think we have to give them is how to be more creative. So, so when you say I can recommend you for a job, I can recommend you to go over here to get a job. Maybe we need to start looking at the fact that we can say to the churches, it's time for you to put out as opposed oh, get to pulling in. Because, see, there's unimproved property out here, and our kids need to see the difference in the environments because we're talking a lot of positive things about changing within the current environment. But when you can monitor them out where they have to use their mind, use their use their hands, I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's a different thing. In, in, the, in the gangs in Southern California, I know they're doing this. I mean, the, you know, you, you hear about them all the time. They, first, they used, first they, they used to uh, white people saying, oh, they're out here taking over our houses. Buying. No, they wasn't buying up their, their houses. They were creating a new community, a community where they could walk and not feel threatened. And, and all of a sudden, it got real quiet, and you don't hear anything about it because they're, they're farming. They're mm. growing watermelons. They're growing cantaloupes. They're growing mm. cherries. And that's where I think if you say you want the youth inside the church, that vision where they can see, hey, you know what, everything don't just, everything don't just happen down here on 125th Avenue. Man, there's a little something, something going down the street. You see, because that's what we got to show them. They can go out here. Yeah. And be different. Yes. Well, you I know, think that's, but I, I, I think that's yeah. a good idea, Rodney. I really do, man. Um, I think if the churches can in, in employ uh, 
members of the congregation, and not only youth, but members of the congregation, while on the East Coast, of course, it would be seasonal uh, unless it became more more in debt and you start utilizing greenhouses and, you know, started growing other things other than food. But that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, man, but for, uh, you know, just macroscopically speaking, I think it's a great idea. You know, I really do. I mean, we're talking about showing uh, youth and others um, something. Again, I use the term instantaneous gratification, but while I use that, I believe me, brothers and sisters want to see just the process. They want to see instant gratification, of course, but if you show them just the process of the initiation of it, hey, you know, they are satisfied. You know, I have a client, of course, I can't mention any names, who have became homeless because he was living with his mother. Let me just give you this quick example. Um, his mother became very ill. She went to a nursing uh, home, and he became homeless. So I used some resources, and I got him into so many different places. You know, um, it, it's a really sad situation. But right now, he is in a, um, what is it, the Salvation Army Rehabilitation Center. You know, and um, in within that particular center, you know, he has a place to live, he has a place to eat, and he comes to my program twice a week. Um, but uh, they have also, he had to stay inside within for 30 days, and now he has some time out, so he's back in my program. But within that organization, the Salvation Army, they have employed him, Okay. He, he's working in the kitchen, and he's now making money. So he is the happiest he has ever been since that situation was initiated. So my point is, if you can show some brothers, like like I was telling you, Dr. Quaco, some, some stuff, if you can show them that you're working for them and they see the results of that, it, it's amazing. You know, it's gratification. They yeah. love it. it. They love it. And so, you know, getting back to you, Rodney, if we can do something like that within the church, man, it would be a, it would be like a domino effect. One fall, they all fall. So I'm with that, brother. Oh, without, I am definitely with that. Uh, just once again, this is T25CL Entertainment. Uh, please go to the website, www.t25cl.com. Check out the music. Check out the shows every week. Uh, we have the show. We have the shows on today. This is Dr. Nina Kweku with Brother Andre Ward uh, with uh, United We Stand. So, uh, all right, brothers, we're we running up on time here right about now. Well, can uh, I ask so, Andre a question? Yes. Go ahead. Andre, um, I noticed, and I know in, in any radio radio uh, show that comes on the radio that you have to have a station break. Is there a certain a certain time? Uh, program that you have to follow or you know to 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 to, to announce the you know the the shows that are on the the radio station I mean, you just you, have to be, you give us a copy of that or something oh just you just have to go to the website and just get familiar with what we do oh okay from the music the movies books um yeah. it, the uh, talk shows and you know you, you since you guys are new to this 
you know, you should just uh, write down the the names of the the people doing the shows. Oh, well, okay. And so that you remember it, because if you try to remember that stuff, you won't get it. And, and, so, and, and in answer to your homework question, no, I haven't watched the the, the movie yet, but I will get to it this week. All right. So that's another homework assignment for the next show. So we, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. I got to do that, Andre, man. My wife, man, she wants to watch it with me. Let me tell you something, yeah. Andre. <laughs> Let me tell you. Rodney, no, man. <laughs> My wife, my wife, my wife, man, she, she's a, a nutrition assistant, right, and her, her hours are funny. She's like, don't you watch that without me. I, I said, well, baby, listen. <laughs> but you know what, Andre? <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, that, and that would be a good thing, too. Yeah, definitely watch it with her. And make yeah. sure that when you guys do see it, because the music is so great and super fantastic, just make sure that your system is hooked up to like uh, Wolfers, like like this little, you know, because all my computers here at my place, I have a, a Wolfer and a little speaker hooked up to the computers, so that when you listen to things like the music and stuff, you get a good quality sound, and so it doesn't sound like coming through a transistor radio or something. Right. Uh, definitely check it out. It's a talking point, and then. You know, I want the, the youth to sit. When you guys are counseling and you get all the youth together, right. uh, I definitely want all the youth to see it. And, and we got another film on there, too, called The Kev Choice Concert. Let them see both of those films and so that they can see uh, what T25CL is doing. And, and since you guys are now part of this family of global entertainment, global media, global communications, and now they will, too. And so let them see how we're doing on our few little resources that we have and how we put some things together. We're doers. You know, we're not only just talkers. We're not only just philosophers. We put it into action. Hold on a second before we wrap up today. We've got another call coming in from uh, California. Go ahead, from California. State your name and where you're calling from in California. Go ahead. Hi. You Hi, this hey. is Kimba. Hi. Kimba the actress. Hello, everyone. Hello, Kimba. Hello, Kimba. Sorry, I'm a little tardy, but I was listening to you guys form that, and I think it's a wonderful idea. Uh, we just actually just had a meeting about setting up a show, and so me just jumping right in, going in there, Andre, I hope you don't mind. Oh, go ahead, my sister. Go ahead. You got it. <laughs> oh, this yes. is also this is Kimba on our website. The sister has a dynamic CD on her on the website. What's the name of your CD? Stay in the light. Stay in the light. She is yes. also an accomplished actress. She's a spoken word sister, and she's one hell of an actress. She's a singer as well. Go on the website, sample her music and what she she uh, what she's doing there on her CD. I've also seen her in some plays here. The sister is dynamic. We have some great, great talent here. And also with Sandra Smith and the films that she's done here at uh, T25. So go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Well, thank you for that uh, introduction. Somebody make it's, okay. it's okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was, run- I was running water. I'm sorry. Andre, <laughs> I'm, I'm, Kemble, I'm looking at your picture and your TV right now. 
I'm going to play it as soon as we get off. Wonderful. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. So, so yeah, we're we're doing it. It started off as a, a, a concept as a one woman show or a one man show, and then we morphed the idea into having several different characters. And we want to have characters that's going to speak to the youth um, to let them know not you know where they came from, not only you know as the story begins in slavery. So one of my characters is Queen Makita. And I want to bring her to life. I'm so excited about that. Um, and we have a couple of more characters. I don't want to give anything away. But um, we, we, we're we so excited about putting this show on. I want everybody to enjoy it. want the youth. And this is really targeted at the youth because we, you know, we want to show them some inspirational messages. And so the whole thing right now is we're just trying to plant messages into the youth to let them know that, you know, even in these dire times that, you know, you have a great future to look forward to and we want you to stand up and we want you to be proud and we want, you, we want to gain respect. So that's part of the movement that we're doing here at T2 Wow. wow. Yeah, and what they're doing, brothers, is her and uh, Sandra Smith, you can also see her on the website as well in the short films that Sandra has done, uh, what they're doing is I have a book here at the office, and I instructed both of them to uh, pick out two characters in the book because we have a real big book here on um, black folks and what uh, we have done throughout history. And so they're going to take the, the real people in history, no matter if it's during slavery or post-slavery, whatever it is, and then they're going to develop a script around that person's life, whether it's going to be a 30-minute script or an hour script. It's going to be up to them. And then what we're going to do is take it to the television station here in Berkeley, and we're going to shoot these these little shows, and then we're going to put it up on the website for on-demand viewing. And in the course of this whole thing, they're not getting paid, we're not getting paid, and we came with an understanding. We do go ahead, we do this project, and we put it out there. We, it might be up on our site for rent for maybe $2 or something like that. And then uh, once we put it out there for rent like that, then that's when all of us will get paid on this side, uh, Kemba and Sandra as well. But what they're going to do, and we're going to do follow-up. And so, you know, sometimes people get together, because Kwaku and I, we both know a brother that will come over and sit and talk for three hours, but uh, won't uh, follow through on anything. And Kwaku and I made a pact the other day that we're going to start following through with some of these ideas and concepts. And so me, Sandra, and Kimba, we're following up in two more weeks. They're coming back to the table with the character that they're going to detect in a one-page treatment sheet. And then they're going to follow through with putting together the script for that. I'll put the production team together. We'll go on over to the studio. We'll shoot it, and then it'll be up on, on the website. And these are the sort of things that we want the youth to see because, yeah. see, these are things that can actually be done. And so it's one thing to talk about it, but you got to be about it simultaneously. Yeah. And the, the youth that we've been talking about now for the past 90 minutes or so these cats, they have minds. They can think. 
and, and they can do. They're not stupid. They're not dumb. They just right. haven't been given the opportunity to express or release all this negative energy exactly. that they have. And so we're going to do it here. Dr. Kwaku is going to be doing a, a short film festival in the next couple of, of, of weeks as well. And so we're going to be uh, showcasing uh, short films and filmmakers and stuff. So we're going to be doing it from this side. We're just not on this radio just to talk this thing and then after it's all over, go out and, and make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and call it a day. We're going to follow up. We're going to follow through. And eating any meetings that we have, we're going to have follow-up on it, and we're going to have uh, execution. You plan and you execute. And so this is what this platform is for. If we don't do anything with this platform, we're just wasting our time doing these shows. And so we have to have performance behind it. Right. All right, yeah. and I appreciate what, what, what Kimba is doing, the sister's dynamic <coughs> and, and what she does and stuff. And so we, we're going to, we're, we're getting ready to roll up our sleeves here, too. And we've done it already with United We Stand. We did it with Kale Choice Concert, and we did it with Quake Two's book and all our other artists. All of our artists are independent artists. Some of them have a history, of course, like when you have Brenda Lee Egger, of course, and we've been recording for years with all the majors, and and uh, we have brother Chet, uh, who is with the Ohio Players as well. You can see him mm. up on their website. Charles Small, who's recorded with some of the the, the greatest artists, and and Mark Allen Felton. Oh man, the cat is too cold, man. United we stand. That's mm. what I'm saying. Once you brother see this film, see mm. the job that that Brenda Lee Egger did in United we stand. See yeah. what Mark Allen Felton did in United We Stand. And mm-hmm. when Robin sings, uh, oh, uh, my time, I miss my time with you in the film. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, five tempting men. Cleveland Jones used to be with the Temptations is on our team as well. He's got mm-hmm. music on site. He's in United We Stand. Look at what they're doing. 17-piece group from Senegal, West Africa. Watch them open up and close out the show. And at the end, we did this great tribute to the great Nigerian artist, Fela Kuti, at the end. And so, brothers, look at what we're doing, man. We're doing some things, but study the website. So when you do do these little uh, promo spots, hey, it's really, really there, the things that we've done uh, here at G25CL. So this is one of the reasons why we, we're doing this thing is to promote what we do and also to solve the problem. So we're doing two things simultaneously, solving the issues, whatever these issues may be, and then also let's execute on, on these thoughts. It's all about hand action, thoughts with the mind, and let the hands execute what the mind is thinking. Am I making a little sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, Andre. You know, I, I just want to just really quickly say that, uh, and I'm sure I speak on behalf of Brother Brooks and Brother Carter, um, I just want to say Rodney, uh, uh, Andre, Kemba, Dr. Kwaku, um, we feel the love and uh, we feel the support. And that's why we're going forward with this new show, uh, a radio show and, and, and blog, to assist and help our youth, because as Brother Brooks so eloquently put it, um, it's not only the future, but it's today. 
without today, there is no future. Yes, sir. And so let's do it. So we're doing this for a reason. And so I'm not doing this trying to be a star. I can't sing. I can't act. I can't dance. Even though I made an attempt at it in United We Stand. But uh, but that's not what I do. My my thing now is for a global platform is to bridge this gap between America and Africa and also to do economic development. My degree is in business administration, economics, and accounting. And so I've just kind of augmented that over to an entertainment platform and so that we can manifest in the word and, and where we're going with this thing. And so uh, does anybody have a final word before we wrap it up today? Let's start from the very top of the board. Let's start with Brother Brian. Anything you want to say before we wrap up? No, as a matter of fact, I'm still excited about this. And uh, Monday I will start my training and we'll move on from there. As a matter of fact, there was was something I did want to say. when Earlier when we were talking about what's going on in Virginia, I was reading this article by Al Sharpton this morning, about why the um, the black vote was so down in this past election. And he was talking about the progressive movement. Um, and he says, arguably, the interested black vote, I mean, the disinterested black vote cost Hillary Clinton the presidency. It would be unfair to claim that leaders like Clinton and Sanders do not care about issues important to people of color. They do. However, it is equally inaccurate to claim that the progressive movement is fueling African-American participation in our political process. Blacks largely sit on the sidelines while the games of politics are being played around us. In the post-Obama era, there is the sense Democrats feel that people of color, African-American in particular, have had their chance and that we should now take a back seat to new leadership. Well, this new leadership is leading us back into the dark ages. So it's time for us to stand up and have our voices heard once again. Well, there's one thing, too, about when you get into um, uh, politics, Brother Brian, it's one thing about the Republicans. They have mastered the art of politics. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know, because, because the last two Republican presidents of the United States have not won the popular vote, but they won the presidency. And this is why they didn't give a damn about California or New York. Not, not at all. Not at all. They cared about those rural areas where in, right. uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, Ohio, and, and they knew, they already knew they got the slave states. Oh, every state where there was slavery, they got that. That ain't going to change. But, so, but they went in there to those little swing states. And they got those votes because the votes turned into delegates. And they set up plans, and they mastered the plan. I don't care how evil those people may be. They said, okay, we're going to get them. Let let them have the West Coast. Let them have the East Coast. Anywhere where there's water, you're going to have more intelligent people. And so, but in that center state where those people will fall for anything, they, 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 you know, they follow Fox News. That they give them their marching orders, their talking points, and because they can't think outside of that bubble of that Fox News channel, and so therefore they had one hell of a plan. It 
work. You've got to end it to them. No matter how evil, no matter how diabolical those people may be, they had a plan and they worked it. They don't need the masses of the vote. They need those strategic de- de- delegates in those certain places because they got the slave states. All right. Let's go ahead, Brother Ronald. Go ahead, Brother Ronald. Bring us home. Uh, listen, I just wanted to say that, um, you know, all, all very interesting um, dialogue, but, you know, as has been stated so many times, um, you know, during this conversation, that everything that we talk about is only as good as what we put into action. So and and I and I believe, as I said earlier, that you know, um, small steps will, will definitely lead to great leaps, and I think that's one of the things that that we are setting out to do uh, with this program, um, even as we start off um, small, but but definitely with with hopes of of you know doing greater things in our community and for the youth that we hope to impact. So we really appreciate the opportunity. All right. Queen Makita, what you got for us? Yes. I just want to say um, thank you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> Queen Makita. All right. Let's go to Brother Rodney. Go ahead, man. Hey, you know, I just want to congratulate the uh, gentleman from the East Coast for making the decision to come forward and uh, wish you guys much, much success in, remember, a lot of things might come and get put on the table, but what you are on is a mission that gave you a vision <clears throat> where you're going and what you're going to do. So walk, 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 and walk well, my brothers, because what you're doing is what's in your vision. Although a lot of ideas might come to the table, but your vision is your vision, and I wish you guys all the success, and welcome to the family. Yes, sir. The great Dr. Nimena Kwaku, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Take it home. Yes, sir. I, just, I would like to say welcome to all of the brothers uh, from New Jersey, New York, uh, and uh, the fact that you're up with us today shows that you have purpose, and uh, and that's always been one of my defining uh, things is that we have to have purpose in life. Without purpose, you're lost. So uh, continue with the great work, and we'll see you guys back here again next week. Uh, either we'll be seeing you on talking to you on your own show, and like uh, Malcolm said, we don't care what they say; we know what they do. Let's continue forward. Okay. Yeah, hotel. All right, yeah, and I see that uh, Brian, you registered, and Daryl, you did register too, but I just think you called in on two different devices there at the uh, at the uh, same time. Uh, okay. Brian, you were you were able to see the board, right? Oh yeah, I've been I've been watching the board uh, since I came on, you know. Okay. All right. Good. 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 And um, uh, Brother Ronald, uh, did you register as well? No, no, I'm going to handle that as soon as I get home. I'm I'm actually sitting on the side of the road in Plainfield because I didn't want to drive and have a lot of feedback on the speaker. So um, okay. as soon as I get, get get to the house, I'm going to take care of those things. Okay, all right. So, Daryl, you did, you were on. 
been on air for a while, but I just think you were on. You were getting some feedback because I think that you were on two telephone type devices or something. Right, but you, right, you were right. Def, you were definitely on. <clears throat> okay. okay, all right. So we'll see everybody next week, and looking forward to talking, brothers, again, so we can get into the details and the specifics. Um, on how to start a show, so we'll get together on that uh, next week sometime. Yeah, yeah, by, right? next, by next week we should have taken the train, some of the training, and be able to be more uh, more uh, knowledgeable about what we're doing. Yes, sir. Oh, what happened, to Brother Mike Brown today? Where is he today? I, you know, I, I called him last night. I called him this morning. He never <clears throat> called me back. I will get with him tomorrow. Okay, all right, cool. And so we'll coordinate a time uh, and next week. We'll all we'll get on and we'll go through the um, training process as well. Sister Kimber, I want you in on the training co- uh, process too because when I'm not around, you may have to step up with uh, Dr. Quake who's on the show. Where did Sister Kimber go? Uh-huh. All right, so we'll wrap it up this week. All right. So we went two hours today. And so it's very difficult to do an hour show, brothers. You know, we all try it, but uh, we get into this thing, and these shows, they take on a life of its own. And so we went two hours, which is good. And uh, let's pick up again on it next week. So we want to bid everybody a good day and check out the stuff that's going on in Virginia, too, man. They It's getting crazy back there. So uh, I'm going to say good day to everybody. So Hotep, Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum. Have a blessed night. Everybody have a a good day. Okay. Peace, brothers. Peace. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.